All right. Hey, everybody, let's, uh, let's make our way back to our seats this morning as we prepare to get into the Word today. You guys excited about being here today? Yeah, most. Most are. That's good. What a special day so far to not only worship the Lord together, but then to worship as a family and celebrate this gift of life and uh, look to the Lord as he guides us. Let me invite you to open up your Bibles to Colossians, which where we're, we were at last week, today, doing a little series that we're calling Bloom Where You're Planted. And uh, we kicked this off last week, kind of laid the groundwork and some foundation for this entire uh, series um, that we're in. And uh, we really looked at last week kind of establishing that how when God, in our life, He plants us in places, and as we are faithful where He plants us, He rewards us. And the whole goal is, is to, for us to obviously grow in Christ right where God has us and to not always want to scratch the itch to move on to other places, certainly if the Lord hasn't called us to other places in different areas and uh, places of life. And so that message is on our website, newlifechurchofjackson.org. You can go on if you missed it or if you want to recap it or if you just really like hearing me preach, then you can go back and hear that again, all right? Um, I don't like hearing me preach, especially the recorded version. So, uh, but anyway, it's, it's on, on that on our website, you can avail yourself to that. Listen, let's look at kind of our thematic verse here uh, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. We'll also be on the screen. You can follow along as well as there will be several verses we'll, we'll be traveling through today. This is the Apostle Paul writing, and he says, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Can you say continue? Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. And then your faith will grow strong. Anyone want to have strong faith? I mean, I would hope all our hands would want to go up or at least we'd like to get them up. Man, I want strong faith coming out of my life. It says you're, you will grow strong in your faith and in the truth that you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness also a good thing to overflow with we overflow with lots of other things that would certainly be a good one let's pray today over this word heavenly father thank you so much for today thank you for your presence and thank you for your people thank you lord for the gift of life and eternal life that is promised through jesus christ and now as we open your word we pray that the life of your word would revive our souls. God, we don't want to be stale and stagnant in our faith. We want to be vibrant and alive the way you destined us to be. So today, Lord, say what you got to say to get our attention. Our hearts are ready. We're open. We want to go where you say go and do what you say do and be who you have called us to be. And help me to deliver this word in a way that would bring you honor and help to your people, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I was reading recently about uh, some logging companies, tree logging companies. You know, they have, they have people that not only cut down trees, they have people that replant trees. And what they do, they go and 
uh, look across uh, the landscape of the mountains where they had recently cut trees down and going to log them, and they're looking for something specific. They're looking across those mountains for something called stress factors. Stress factors are the areas on those mountains where the trees would be highly exposed to the extreme climate, the storms and the droughts and the heat, etc. And they plant those little trees right there where those stress factors are. And so from day one, those little trees understand the cruelty of the climate. They understand the extremes that can happen with storms and, and heat and drought and wind. And so when, when storms happen and when storms come, those little trees, the one thing they do, the instinct within them is they cause their, they take, they make their roots dig deep to withstand the storm. And, and in, in cases of extreme drought, they make their roots grow, go even deeper to find some subterranean springs, some water to be able to withstand, to be able to survive, and then ultimately, hopefully, to thrive, to bloom and be what they were created to be. And, and Paul here in, in, this, in this chapter and in, throughout Colossians is reminding us we're like those trees, that we accept Christ, but we're not, just, we're not meant to just stay where we are. We are, in, we are meant to carry on and follow him. That's what a disciple is, a follower of Jesus Christ, a learner of his ways, follower in his ways and so and he says but you got to put your roots down you got to dig deep you got to make your roots grow down so that your lives can be built up and your faith can then grow strong because like trees we are also subject to the cruelty of climate not the not necessarily the natural climate in this atmosphere but the spiritual climate that happens in our life and there are there are storms and there are droughts there are extreme heat moments there are some dry moments, and then it's in those times that determine what are we going to do. Are we going to die, or are we going to cause our roots to go deep and ultimately survive and thrive and, bl and bloom right where God has us planted? And so throughout this entire letter here, we're going we're gonna to kind of jog through a few verses, starting in chapter 2, verse 1 of Colossians. Listen to what Paul, Paul says. He says, I want you to know something. I want you to know how much... I have agonized for you, for the church, for the many believers who I have never met personally and who have never met me personally. Paul never, never went to Colossae, but he wrote to them and he had heard about them. And we talked a lot about that last week in, in the first part of this series. And he says, look, I want you to know something. I have agonized for you. I have been pushing hard for you in prayer because we know something about Paul when you look at his letters and in chapter 1 here he says he prays for these people he says so I want you to know something I have been praying hard for you and then verse 2 he says I, I want you to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love I want you to be encouraged and knit together as the body of Christ in the Lord Jesus Christ Encouraged. I mean, if anything, we should be encouraged by one another. And that comes as we are knit together. And we're not, we don't just sit in a seat. We don't just attend the church. But we are involved in the life of one another so that we can be encouraged in Christ. And he goes on, he says, I want you to have complete confidence 
that you may understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. For in Christ lie all the hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So I want you to have complete confidence in Christ in your life. Paul again reminded him, hey, I, I'm writing to you because I want you to know I am pushing hard for you to have complete confidence in Christ. He goes on in verse 4, he says, I'm telling you this so that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you. If there's, any, if there's anybody going to ever cheer for the church, it's Paul. If there's anybody ever going to be a cheerleader for the, for the local church, it's Paul himself. And you can hear it, you can feel it in his writing and in his words. He said, I'm not near you, but man, my heart is so for you. I want you to know I am pushing hard for you, and I, and I rejoice that you are living as you should, and that your faith is strong in Christ. So I'm pushing hard for you to have some strong faith in Christ. You'll notice a little common theme in this chapter, that it's in Christ, it's with Christ, it's through Christ, it's on Christ, on Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. One of my favorite, favorite hymns of all time. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. And then look at verse 6 and 7, the theme of this whole series. And now you accepted Christ Jesus, you must continue to follow him, let your roots grow down, your lives be built on, your faith grow strong in the truth you were taught. I want you to build your life on Christ. You can build your life on a lot of things. And going back to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus ends it by saying, look, you can build your life on the rock or on the sand. One will withstand, one will hold, one will not falter, one will not fail you, but the other will. When the storms of life come, when the climate hits you, that'll determine what your life is built on. And Paul's saying, look, I am pushing for you for your lives to be built on Christ. Verse 8. I told you we were going to jog through these first few. It says, Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union, through your relationship with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. Paul's saying, look, I'm pushing hard for you, church, so that you will be complete in Christ. You will be complete in Christ. And he goes on in, in verse 11 through 15, and he says, I want you to be made alive through Christ, and I want you to put all of your hope in Christ because Christ never fails. If there's anyone ever going to be a pusher for the local church, for the body of Christ to be everything that we're destined to be, it was Paul. It was Paul. Paul, I mean, remind you, Paul wrote this letter and several other letters around this same time, not from the comforts of a five-star hotel sipping on a latte or a cappuccino, sitting behind a, an iPad or a Mac. He was in prison. He was in a place he didn't want to be, but yet he allowed the Lord to use where he was in order to bring about what God wanted to, be, to, be, to, brought, to bring forward. And that was these different letters, Ephesians, 
Colossians, Philippians, 2 Timothy, Philemon, all written from a prison cell in Rome. And Paul's saying, look, I am pushing for you, the church, the body of Christ. I've not, I've not met you here at Colossae, but I, I want you to know something. It is possible for you to bloom right where you're planted. It is possible for you to have your life and your faith be strong in Christ, your, li- your life be built on Christ, for you to have confidence in Christ, for you to be encouraged in the body of Christ, for you to be able to put all of your hope in Christ, because he never fails. I've titled this message in this series, The Divine Push. The Divine Push. God can push us via himself through the Holy Spirit working in our own hearts. He can push us through other people to be where he wants us, to be focused on what he wants us to focus on, to be determined that no matter what, right where I'm at, I'm going to let God blow up inside of me and just let him take over. That there might be some current climates that you're in in life that you just don't like. That maybe make you uncomfortable, maybe very, very tough right now. Maybe you feel like you're in a squeeze play and you've got the pressure applied. And he's like, man, I just don't like where I'm at. Or you may also be in a very comfortable place right now where there might not be a whole lot of stretching or pulling going on. But nonetheless, right where we are, God wants us to grow in him. God wants us to develop in him. God wants us to expound in him. And Paul is letting us know, look, I have been pushing for you, and I am going to keep pushing for you to be everything that God wants you to be, and it's in Christ Jesus. So, sometimes, though, I think it's really not that we don't want or we don't desire, we don't even try to really live what Paul wrote, encouraged in Christ, complete in Christ, strong in Christ, all of these things. Sometimes I think we just feel like we can't. It's not that we don't want to or we don't try or we don't put ourselves out there for the Lord to work in us, that sometimes we just feel like, man, no matter what, I just can't. We come so far, we come so close, yet we don't cross the line. We, we get to a certain point in, in our faith, and it's like, man, something happens. Something takes place, and we feel kicked back. Something takes place, and we feel tripped up. Something takes place, and, and, and we feel discouraged, feel like we got punched in the gut, and the, our breath is taken away from us. Sometimes we just come up short. And it's in, that, in those moments where I think what we need and what Paul was saying, you just need a push. You just need a push. So we're going to take the next few minutes of my time. We're going to look at one life. Most of us probably know this guy. If you don't, you'll, you'll get to know him a little bit today. But Simon Peter. We're going to look at the life of Simon Peter. Primarily, we're going to look in John's gospel, John chapter 21, if you want to turn there. John chapter 21. And we're going to look at a snapshot in Peter's life. I'm, I'm thankful that snapshots really don't, don't define who we are. They just capture us in that moment, like pictures. They don't, they don't, they, that doesn't really tell who we really are. 
You ever looked back through a photograph uh, album and you're looking at pictures or what have you and you see these faces and it, uh, and it maybe takes your journey, your memory back for a moment and like thinking, man, I wonder what was going on in their mind right then. I wonder what was happening in their world at that moment. Even though they might have had a smile on their face, but inside they might have been really, really hurt, disappointed, discouraged. I'm thankful that God doesn't use snapshots to judge us. He understands that it, it's the lifetime of all of that together. And, we're, and Peter here, we're going to look at this in, in chapter 21, but we're going we're to look at this, the divine push. We're going to break the word push down into an acronym. So we're going to look at each letter. P is for the presence of God. U is for his understanding for our life. S is for the sound of his voice. And H is for his hand on our life. And we're going to look at how that all comes out in, in this part of Peter's life in John chapter 21. Just a quick background. Peter was the one that denied the Lord three times. When right as, about the time Jesus is, was arrested and was accused and then was uh, just put through the gauntlet, Peter denied the Lord three times. And the Lord said that it was going to happen, and it, and it ended up happening. And, and as you can imagine, a lot of, I don't know everything that went through Peter's mind. Obviously, I wasn't there, neither were we. We can just kind of imagine kind of maybe what he was feeling. Lonely, guilt, regret, shame, maybe some remorse. Just feeling like, man, if I could have just got a second chance. Anybody ever feel like that sometimes? If I could just do that over? Having, know, having learned what I know now, if I could just go back, right? We don't get that luxury, do we? And Peter probably feeling some things like that, and, and here he was dealing with that. And in Mark 16, this is one of the ones we looked at last week with Mary Magdalene. They, they came to the tomb, they saw the angel, and one of the things the angel said, hey, you need to go and tell the disciples, including Peter, it was very specific, Mark 16, 7, and including Peter, that Jesus is alive. I love the fact that that angel said, go tell the disciples, but also make sure you stop and tell Peter that the Lord has risen. And so they go on to, to, to do just that. And Peter, because Peter, as I mentioned earlier, denied the Lord three times, and he was around, they had built this little charcoal fire outside the temple there, and, and, and the high priest's house, and all that, and they were warming themselves by the fire, and it was around the fire that, that Peter stood, and where Peter was asked, did he belong to the Lord, did he know the Lord, and each time he said he didn't, he, he denied him, and, and then here we are, in John chapter 21, it says this, verse 1, later Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee, and this is how it happened, or what had happened was, verse 14, this was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. Maybe, did you catch that? Three times that he had appeared to his disciples. Not really relating it to this or saying it's theologically connected to this, but just kind of thinking out loud, maybe three appearances for the three days that he was in the grave. Maybe he was coming back with a statement, letting them know each time, guys, I'm here. Next time, guys, I'm here. 
the third time, right here on the beach in John 21. I am here, guys. Death did not take me. The cross did not keep me. Hell could not contain me. I am back. I am back. I am here. And three times he appeared to his disciples. Three times he made his presence known. You know, there's something about the presence of the Lord in our life. I'm not always talking about feeling the goosebumps on the back of our neck. That certainly, I love that. I'm talking about the inward understanding that God is with me through the good and through the bad, through the mix-ups, through all of it, God's presence is with me. And that is something you and I should never take for granted is the presence of the Lord. Should never take for granted His presence or become so familiarized with it that we just think, man, I can just do what I want. God will be cool with me later. That's a dangerous place to live. To think, man, I can just do what I want, live how I want to live, make this choice, make this choice, do, do this or do that. God's cool with me. Because what would happen if he's not really cool with you in that? Think about that. In Exodus 33, Moses was charged with leading the children of Israel and bringing deliverance to their life out of Egypt into the promised land. And in chapter 33 of Exodus, he and the Lord are having a, a conversation. And, and the Lord tells Moses, Moses, I will personally go with you. And I will give you guys rest. And Moses said back, well, Lord, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us go. We don't really want to go anywhere unless you're with us. Moses was so sold on knowing that the presence of the Lord was really with them, and if not, he was not wanting to go anywhere without the presence of the Lord. And Moses said, Lord, it's your presence in our life that actually sets us apart from everybody else. Did you know that? God's presence in you Filling your life actually sets you apart. Sets us apart from the world. In a good way. And so the, Moses was like, Lord, if you don't go, we don't want to go. And friend, all I want to tell you there is, listen, if, if, if you're facing something, having some decisions to make, considering getting in, engaged in a, in, a, in a relationship or a new place or a new thing or whatever it might be, if the presence of the Lord is not with you to go, it is better to stay than to go alone. You don't want to go through life on your own accord and God's presence not really be involved in your life. Because the thing about it with Moses is this, the presence of the Lord is reassuring. It gives us assurance. If God's with me, I'm all good. No matter what, the Lord, if you're with me and, you know, and I know you've called me here in this direction, I will follow you and I will go that way because your presence is reassuring. But his presence is also reaffirming. In Hebrews 13, we read about the promise of the Lord that is an eternal promise that he says, I will never fail you and I will never abandon you. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. God is just that good, folks. We are not. In our best intentions, we are not near as good as the Lord. 
But he is faithful, the Bible says, even when we are faithless. He is so kind. He is so long-suffering with us that many times, I think, because of that, we tend to take advantage of him and think, oh, he's going to be cool with me tomorrow. I can just carry on with where I'm at right now. And his presence is reaffirming that he tells us, look, I'm with you. I won't fail you. I won't abandon you. I won't leave you, and I won't forsake you. His presence is also empowering. Not only do we need the reassurance of the Lord in our life, we need, be, we need to be reaffirmed that, hey, we're headed in the right direction, we're right where God wants us, but we also need to be empowered to actually do what he's called us to do, to live in this place of life that he's called us to, right where we are. Consider David, after fighting the enemies and fighting the giants, that all the different giants that he had to face, he, he penned this in Psalm 18. He said, In the strength of the Lord I can crush an army. With my God I can scale any wall. Anybody ever felt big like that before in faith? Like, man, I could take on an entire army. Bring it on. It's on like Donkey Kong. Like, without a doubt. You, can, you just feel so big in faith that no matter what is going on around you and what's facing you and staring at you and hollering at you and trying to freak you out, you just have this faith inside rise up like David. He said, man, I can scale any wall. I can take on any army. I can do this thing. David felt like that because God's presence brought him empowerment. And friend, God's presence brings you empowerment when you're faithful where you are supposed to be. As a spouse, as a child, as a student, as a worker, as a church member, as a member of society, God's presence brings empowerment for us to do and to accomplish what he's called us to do. In fact, the early disciples in, in the early church in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John had healed this guy and they got in trouble for preaching the name of Jesus, and they were arrested, they were released, and they were told, hey, don't preach anymore in that name. What did they do? Filed a petition. Got a thousand signatures. Get some people on their side. No. What'd they do? They went back to their friends and the other disciples, and they said, we got to pray because I'm scared. They told us not to preach, and we, got, we were preaching, and they arrested us, and then they're telling us not to. Man, we, we need to pray. And what they pray? They prayed, God, consider all their threats, but right now we're going to ask you to give us boldness to just do what you want us to do. That no matter what they may say, Lord, what is it you are saying? What is it you want to do in my life? And it said the place where they met shook, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit empowered them to go out and preach with great boldness. Friends, there are some things, yes, you and I will get scared we will be afraid to do, but it doesn't mean we are not called to actually do it or to face it. What we are called to do is to pray and ask the Lord, fill me with your power so that I can, go, I can follow through with what you need and what you're calling me to. Anybody follow me? Because let's just admit it, life's hard enough on its own with the choices we make, right? And then you add everything else in the mix, 
And there's a, there's, some, there's a great deal of pressure. It's a great deal of pressure we face. There's a lot to contemplate, a lot to consider. There's a lot that goes on. And yet we are called to be light in this dark world. We are called to live hope for the hopeless in this world. How can we do that? We can only do that if we are empowered by the presence of God. Amen? We need his presence. You is understanding for our life. I'm, I preached that one way too long. I got to move along. Verse 15 of John 21. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said, Lord, yes, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus said. And he repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, yes, you know I love you. And he said, then take care of my sheep. And a third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt this time that Jesus would ask him this question a third time. And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. In Peter's denial, he was around a fire. Here in this conversation, Jesus had prepared a fire on the beach, prepared a breakfast, and here he was talking with Peter. Perhaps three questions for three denials, but followed up by three statements of purpose. The Lord wasn't trying to hurt Peter. Peter got hurt, and he's like, Lord, didn't you see? Because when, when you called us out on the beach and we were in our boat, I'm the one who jumped out half naked and swam to the beach. He said, I needed to get to you. We were 100 yards out, but I needed to get to you first because I needed to tell you how sorry I was and how sorry I am. And how awful I feel. But that dialogue didn't even get to happen. Jesus stopped Peter when he got to the boat, I mean, when he got to the beach, and he said, Hey, let's just eat. I'm hungry. You may be hangry, but I'm hungry right now. Let's just eat. And so they ate and they had this little conversation by the fire. The Lord wasn't trying to hurt Peter, the Lord was trying to get Peter to understand Peter, you were worth it all. And that I still have a purpose for your life. Even though you feel like you failed me, Peter, come on now. I'm so good, I can redeem your life. I'm so good, I can wipe away your past. I'm so good, I can forgive every mistake. Peter, I'm so full of love, I love you anyways. Because I'm so glad you're here. Peter, I just want you to understand you were worth it all. And that you still have a purpose on this earth. Friends, God wants us to understand that he has a purpose for our life, and that we actually are worth it to him. We sing a song earlier, you know my name, God, and you call me your own as we walk together and talk together. You call me your own. There is that relationship Paul was describing in Colossians 2, 6 and 7, your union with Christ, your relationship with Christ, your connection with Christ is how you become everything God intends for you to be. We need an understanding. In fact, Paul was known for praying these. Look at these right here on the screen, Ephesians 1. He said, I haven't stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called 
his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. And then in Colossians 1, he prays. He says, we haven't stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will, to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. He says, I want you to have complete confidence that you may understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. Friends, God wants us to understand so much so that Paul prayed about it many times, praying and asking, God, give me a spirit of understanding for your will for my life. If you want to know more, all you have to do is ask God. God, help me to understand. Not necessarily help me understand every reason behind every problem we face, but help me to understand your purpose in the midst of the pain that I might deal with. Help me to understand that you have greater things for me beyond where I'm at and that you want to use where I'm at to grow some things out of me, to grow some things up in me, and to grow some things out of me. Amen. God wants us to understand. Consider this. If you don't think God can use you because you've made mistakes and you haven't felt like you've lived up to where the Lord has called you to live, consider this. Jacob was a cheater. If your name's Jacob, I'm not talking about you, out of the Bible. Peter, as we know, had a temper. David had an affair. Noah got drunk. Jonah ran from God. Paul was a murderer. Gideon was insecure. Miriam was a gossip. Martha was a worrier. Thomas was a doubter. Sarah was impatient. Elijah was moody. Moses stuttered. Zacchaeus was too short. Abraham old. Lazarus dead. Rahab was a prostitute. I'll be doggone. If God can't use them, he can use us. If they had some serious life choice problems, don't you think, and God used them anyway? Don't you think God can use us? Don't let your shortcomings determine your future with God. Don't get so mad at yourself that you disqualify yourself from the redemption of the Lord in your life. And by all means, don't you let somebody else talk you out of letting the redemptive power of God catapult you into your purpose and destiny he has for you because if there's anything about people we know people is people and people like to cut people down shame on us as christians cutting one another down i'm not talking to this church talking to other people but we need his understanding to know that we were worth it and he has a purpose and he can still can use me S, sound of his voice. And verse 18. says, I tell you the truth, when Jesus said, when you were young, Peter, you were able to do what you like, dressed yourself, went wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you're going to stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. And verse 19, Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. And then Jesus told him, follow me. Friends, we were created to hear the voice of God. Go all the way back to Genesis 3. It said, Adam and Eve heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden. All the way from the beginning until now, God wants us to hear him. In fact, that's why it says many times throughout the New Testament, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart, do not despair, but humble yourself and receive 
what he's trying to get across to you. Paraphrase. You know, inwardly, God wants us to hear by the Holy Spirit, and we can also hear the voice of God outwardly through other people. In fact, 1 Corinthians 12 says there's nine spiritual gifts. Out of those nine, five are speaking gifts. I think God wants us to hear what he's saying. God wants us to hear what he is saying. And I just want to leave this part with this question to you today. What is God saying to you? What is he saying to you? Lastly, worship team, you guys can come on back up. Lastly, H. We have his presence, we have his understanding, we have the sound of his voice. H, we need the, his hand on our life. Verse 20, 22 through 22 here, it says, Peter turned around. He saw behind them the disciple that Jesus loved. Talking about John, who's writing this. The one who had leaned over to Jesus during the Last Supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? That's who Jesus, I mean, that's who Peter turned and saw, and he's talking to Jesus about it. And he says, Jesus, what about him? What about him? And Jesus replied back to Peter, if, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, Peter, just follow me. Just follow me. You can just imagine Peter talking to Jesus and Jesus just putting his hand on him and saying, look, I get, that's John, yeah, he's the beloved, big deal. Peter, not even worth talking about what's going on in your life. I'm just so glad you're here. Peter, it's time. It's time for you to stop lingering in your remorse and your regret. It's time for you to stop lingering, Peter, in, in, your, in your guilt. It's time to stop wallowing in your sorrows, Peter. It's time for you to stop lingering and comparing yourself to someone else. What I have for them is between me and them. And what I have for you is between me and you. I can just imagine the Lord just putting his hand on Peter. Saying, Peter, come on. This is about you right now. This is about you right now. Follow me, Peter. Follow me. You put all of that together. You put his presence. You put his understanding for us. You attach the sound of his voice and his hand on our life. You get the divine push. It's not that we don't want or don't try or don't desire. It's just sometimes we just feel like we can't. Right where we are, God has called you to bloom right where you're planted. Sometimes we just feel like, man, the ingredients aren't right. The, the condition of the soil isn't right, Lord. The, the environment and the climate that I'm in, it's just, too, it's just too much. It is not right. It's not what I want. But you put his presence and his understanding and his 
voice and his hand on your life and you get his push. Labor Day, the last big summer holiday, we took our girls swimming. The girls just jumped in. Said, how's it feel? It's cold. But you'll get used to it, Dad. <laughs> All right, let me see. I put my foot in that water, and that joker was cold. They're like, you're going to get in? They're going to get in? I'm like, yeah, I'll get in in a little bit. What I was doing was standing outside the pool, knowing how cold it was, but yet thanking God that the sun was out and shining on me, and I just like, Lord, heat me up so I can jump into this cold pool. And we had this little banter back and forth. They were playing. They were trying to splash me. I kept feeling, is the water changed yet? No, it's still cold. I wanted to get in. I was so close. But yet I couldn't make myself do it because of the condition. So what did I need? I needed my girls to sneak out of the pool walk around behind me of course I saw them and they all ganged up on dad and they gave me a push it was over I was in I stayed in and we played I got so close but I couldn't make myself go I needed a push maybe you feel like that today in life Maybe you have felt like that for a little while. You know God has so much for you in Christ. For you just to release it all to Him. To just throw yourself into His hands. And trust Him with your life and your circumstances. And you're so close, but you feel like, I just can't. I'm so tired of coming up to this time and again. Will this cycle ever change for me, Lord? Why should I even try? He knows. Sometimes you just need a push. You put all of that together, and Paul, in the letter to the Colossians, is saying, hey, don't get stuck where you're at and don't stay stuck where you're at. Don't stay spiritually lethargic. No, don't let the conditions determine your outcome. Dig deep. Make your roots grow, go down so that God can push you up. Let's stand to our feet if you're able.